Grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lenten Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. At some point in life, we all stand at a crossroads, don't we? It could be a literal crossroads when you're trying to get from point A to point B and you get turned around and mixed up in directions. And depending on location, if you're out in some remote rural area, the wilderness, even uh, smartphone apps like uh, Google Maps or Waze might not even help you out. But there's another kind of crossroads. A crossroads where an important decision has to be made. And you may recall in your own life when you had to decide on a pathway forward, but which road to take. That can be a very difficult and challenging place to be as we ponder what will be the consequences if we take this pathway versus this pathway. The poet Robert Frost immortalized this sense of being at a crossroads in his poem, The Road Not Taken. I read stanzas one and four for you now. Two roads diverged in a yellow wood, and sorry I could not travel both and be one traveler. Long I stood and looked down one as far as I could to where it bent in the undergrowth. I shall be telling this with a sigh, somewhere ages and ages hence, two roads diverged in a wood, and I, I took the road less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. At the crossroads, that is the theme for preaching on Saturday evenings and Sunday mornings in this Lenten season, as evidenced by the worship bulletin cover. Crossroads are there for all of us. Which way, though? Right? Left? Straight ahead? What awaits us down those choices? Which way does our heart tell us to go? Which way does our head tell us to go? Which is the way of Christ crucified? Today on this first Sunday in Lent, as we contemplate the temptation of Jesus, we stand at the crossroads in our own lives, grappling with the reality of temptation that can lead to betrayal. And that becomes the theme for the message this morning. May the Lord's rich and abundant blessing rest upon the preaching and the hearing and the living of his word for Jesus' sake. Temptation is the theme usually associated with worship on this first Sunday in Lent. The gospel lesson is always the same, the account of Jesus' temptation in the wilderness. We hear that temptation theme loud and clear from both Old Testament as well as gospel lessons. In the Garden of Eden, Satan disguised as a serpent, tempts first Eve and then through Eve, Adam, to deny, to mistrust the truth of God's word and to do what God had specifically commanded them not to do, to eat of the tree, the fruit of the tree, in the midst of the garden. As we know, they listened to another 
voice than God's and so brought sin and all of its consequences into the world. And we still are dealing with those consequences today, are we not? Yes. Selfishness, greed, anger, division, strife, jealousy, the list goes on and on. Those haunting words which God spoke to our first parents were heard again in worship this past week on Ash Wednesday when a cross of ashes was traced on our foreheads. You are dust, and to dust you shall return. We do indeed live with the consequences of that first sin. We will, all of us, one day return to the dust from which we were first created. In the Gospel lesson, Jesus grapples with Satan himself, with the tempter, with the father of lies, who comes to Jesus, as he did to Adam and Eve, calling on Jesus to deny the truth of God's word. Not once, not twice, but three times, Satan comes to Jesus with a temptation. And here's the thing. They often sound very plausible, very believable, even beneficial. That is the insidious aspect of temptation. We can easily see ourselves going there. You've been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. You are famished. Think of yourself. Command these stones to become bread. Give the people a show. Throw yourself down from the pinnacle of the temple if, in fact, you are who you say you are, the Son of God. God will step in to intervene and deliver you from any harm, and the people will be amazed. All the glory of the world belongs to me. I dole it out to whoever I see fit, and I will give it to you if you will fall down and worship me. But you see, in giving in to any of these temptations means that Jesus would betray who he is, who his father is, what their relationship is. Jesus would betray the mission and the purpose of his very existence. And if that was true for Jesus, is it not true for us as well today? When we succumb and give in to temptation, don't we also then betray who God has called us to be? Betraying who our Father is and what he would have for us today as well, his will and his purpose, we substitute that for, for a lie, a shabby substitute of what God would have for us. Whenever temptation comes calling in our lives, we stand at a crossroads. What will we do? 
You know, our worship for Ash Wednesday this past week included in the service was an exhortation which preceded the confession of sins. I want to share this with you again because it speaks to the situation at hand. Brothers and sisters in Christ, God created us to experience joy in communion with him, to love all humanity and to live in harmony with all of his creation. But sin separates us from God, from our neighbors and creation, and so we do not enjoy the life our Creator intended for us. Also, by our sin, we grieve our Father, who does not desire us to come under His judgment, but to turn to Him and live. As disciples of the Lord Jesus, we are called to struggle against everything that leads us away from love of God and neighbor. Repentance, fasting, prayer, works of love, the discipline of Lent, help us to wage our spiritual warfare. We're called to struggle against everything that leads us away from love of God and neighbor. You know, in truth, that is always our calling as the baptized people of God, but especially so in the Lenten season. What are those crossroads in your life that you are grappling with right now? Will choosing one pathway, as Adam and Eve did, lead to sin, to separation from God and neighbor, leading ultimately to death and not life? At times we trivialize this, I believe. After all, life is about my personal fulfillment and pleasure, isn't it? It's my life, isn't it? In our struggle with temptation that leads to betrayal, we find it's easier to pin the blame on someone or something else, not us, just as Adam and Eve did. The woman you gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit of the tree and I ate. The serpent deceived me and I ate. My friends, Lent is about going deep into our soul to make honest and careful assessment of what we find there and to come clean with God, our Maker and Redeemer, who comes looking for us just as he did with our first parents in the Garden of Eden. The Lord God is on the hunt for his children who are hiding in fear and shame, and he comes asking that simple question, where are you? God knows not only where we are, he knows what we are. God knows that we are but dust and ashes. He knows we are separated from him and from one another by sin and disobedience. This is the ugly reality of our situation, but it is not the final word. God has come looking for us 
And he has found us in his beloved son, Jesus, who has entered into the ugly reality of our sin and separation. Jesus has come to do for us what we could never do for ourselves. In the temptation which he endured, Jesus remained steadfast and true. He did not cave in under the pressure. He did not compromise. He didn't take the easy way out but he stayed true to his mission. He did not betray his father. He did not betray himself. And he did not betray you or me either. So when we cave in under the pressure, when we compromise what we know to be right, when we take the easy way out, despite our best intentions, and when we know better, when we betray our Lord, we return to the Lord with repentance. We return to Jesus, who himself was betrayed by one of his own, Judas, who, who betrayed Jesus for what? 30 pieces of silver. Setting in motion a chain of events that would lead to Jesus' suffering and death. But you see, it is through Jesus' suffering and death that we have been set free. The victory of the cross is that the power of sin and the stranglehold of the tempter and the temptations, all of that has been broken through Christ's sacrifice upon the cross. The blood which he has shed for you and for me, that is our robe of righteousness. That is our hope and our confidence. It is through Jesus that we have been set free. This is what Paul writes about in the epistle lesson for today. He says, For if many died through the one man's trespass, Adam, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by that grace. For the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. For as by the one man's disobedience, Adam, the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience, Jesus, the many will be made righteous. It's not our righteousness. It is Jesus earned with his blood, shed upon the cross, received by faith. That is why the font is located in the back of the sanctuary in this Lenten season to remind us all that this is how we come into faith through those cleansing waters of holy baptism where we are clothed with that robe of Christ's righteousness where we daily die to sin and a new person comes forth who will live before God in righteousness and purity. When we find ourselves at a crossroads in life, struggling with 
temptation that will lead to betrayal, our hope is in Jesus, who himself was tempted in every way as we are, and yet without sin. Let us also then lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, scorning the shame, and is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Thanks be to God. Amen.